podcasting from my sex writing cave, where all the smut happens in real life and my head are on paper, this is the Smut Lancer Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss writing and creating content about sex and getting paid to do it. I'm your host and fellow Smut Lancer, Kayla Lords. Welcome to episode 37. This week, let's talk about how to make sure you actually get paid for the work you do after you've agreed to do it. This is your first time listening. Glad to have you. If you're back for another week, welcome back. The Smut Lancer Podcast is produced every Wednesday and show notes are found at thesmutlancer.com. Follow me there or on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at The Smut Lancer. This week's episode is brought to you by QuickBooks Self-Employed. Want to have a better way to keep track of your income? Do you need help tracking how much you owe in taxes? I use QuickBooks Self-Employed for all that and more. It's an invoicing system, a reporting tool, a great way to keep up with receipts and payments. I use it to figure out how much I've made for the year, to project how much I will make, to keep track of my expenses, and to pay my taxes. Even if you don't need to do all of that yet, it's great just for tracking your income, no matter how big or small. If you use my special link, you'll save 50% off the cost for the first year, and that means you can get it for as low as $5 a month. Just go to bit.ly slash smutlancer, B-I-T dot L-Y slash smutlancer, or use the link in the show notes. Okay, so if you are a smut lancer or a sex blogger or an erotic writer or uh, somebody who wants to make money creating something about sex, you have likely heard from a lot of different sources in a lot of different ways about um, how you should be paid for your work, how your labor has value, how um, businesses and companies who will profit off of your labor should not um, ask you to create content or create graphics or do any work without some... uh, expectation of payment, uh, exposure. We do not work for exposure. Exposure kills. Okay. Um, and that's good. And that's how it should be. Um, I think that if you're going to work for free, it should be something that is meaningful to you and not because it's an expectation that because you are an artist or a writer or a whatever, that none of that requires being paid. So that part, let's just assume that's a given. We're all there. We're all on the same page. You've heard it before. I've said it before myself. Other people say it. Um, Good, we're done. Now, here's the next step in that process. There's the expectation of payment, and then there's the actually getting paid for your work. And that's what I want to talk about this week. Because it is not necessarily as simple as you do the work, you get the money. It should be that simple. It should be exactly that simple. And for the vast majority of people out there and companies, It really is that simple, Um, but that doesn't mean there shouldn't be standards and guidelines and personal rules you follow and boundaries that you set and things that you have to deal with when inevitably somebody doesn't pay you. So that's what we're gonna talk about um, today. So the first, very first part of that is that you have to have a way to accept payment. Um, I prefer to use PayPal. Um, you can actually use QuickBooks Self-Employed for that if you want to. Uh, I started with PayPal before I ever signed up for QuickBooks. Um, I use PayPal because it just happens to be the easiest. It is not necessarily the best. Um, I can tell you after um, a certain amount of research, not in depth, not dozens and dozens, but um, the high, the big names I know, um, they all f- charge basically the same fees. Um, PayPal is 2.9% of whatever payment somebody makes to you for services rendered. Plus I think it's still 30 cents per transaction. I don't know what the deal is with the 30 cents, but I do know about the 2.9%. Um, there w- are some processors who will say, oh, you can get paid 
for no fee. Well, what they mean is somebody has to actually mail you a paper check. Um, and if they that person pays you through an online system, there will be a fee. So I use PayPal, but it's not like I think PayPal is the end all be all. PayPal is notoriously not friendly to adult businesses. Uh, knock on wood, I've been using them for my vanilla work and my sex writing work for since 2014, and I haven't had any issues, but I do also uh, guard against that a little bit. I, um, I don't attach my PayPal to my very adult site, kaylalords.com. Um, I use it primarily for invoicing and accepting payments. Um, that's just the one I choose. You can choose anything you want. Um, I recommend doing something that makes uh, invoicing easy on you and payment easy on the people who will pay you, which means you want to use something that um, lets them pay in nearly any way they want. Uh, that can be a credit card, that can be an electronic check. Um, there are probably some out there that let you do like direct bank transfers. Um, I know that's a very um, good way to get paid to avoid a lot of fees. And sometimes that's something you just set up directly. It's not necessarily through a service, um, but definitely do your research and just know that by and large fees are um, a part of the game. And it's just, there's the only ways to really avoid that are to set up, I think your own direct um, bank transfers. If a company is willing to just literally drop the money in your account uh, or to receive uh, paper checks that you then deposit yourself. Yes, companies still uh, write checks and put them in the mail. I have, it's been a while, but I have been paid that way. Um, I, I have looked at other uh, options. I've looked at subscription options. And the problem I found with that is what they gave me for the fee I had to pay every month wasn't any better than what I do on my own with PayPal, but that's because I've been using PayPal for so long. So I do not necessarily endorse PayPal as the end all be all. There are others out there, do your research. But if you intend to get paid, you are gonna have to have a system because sometimes it's as simple as, oh, here's my email address for PayPal or here's my this link for that. But sometimes it's not. You need to be able to send out an invoice. You need to have something that will make it easy for you to follow up. Um, PayPal does do all of that, but feel free to look around. There are others out there. So um, once you have a system in order to get paid, then it's time to figure out what sort of your rules and your boundaries are for payment when you do work for somebody. And I, for this um, episode, there's three main ones we're talking about and they're all uh, content-based. It's content you create. Um, the easy one that I'm not really gonna go into is if you are selling products, if you don't get paid, they don't get a product. It's that simple. In that case, real quick, um, however you set up your e-commerce store in order to do that, make sure it's a robust system that can um, easily uh, reject payments if a credit card is bad or if they're over their limit or whatever. Uh, we use WooCommerce for our shops, uh, the Kinky Fuckery Shop and John Brownstone's Wood Dumb Shop. Um, and anytime somebody, you know, inputs a bad credit card number or it's it's over its limit, they kick it out immediately. Uh, we never have to worry about having sent a product and then three days later finding out, oops, we didn't actually get paid for it. But if you're selling physical products or online products, it is that simple. If the money doesn't come through, they don't get access, done. But for written content or even artistic content, are you creating graphics? Are you uh, creating, uh, you know, editing audio? Are you creating videos? Anything you're creating. 
that's content, that's not necessarily a tangible product or isn't something that people pay for necessarily as a order that they place. So they're paying for it and then getting it later like they would a product. Um, you're gonna need to have some rules and some boundaries and some policies uh, and procedures that you follow. Now, I'm gonna tell you mine, but you can make these work in any way you want. You do not have to just use what I use. Um, let's start with client work. Uh, I know some of you uh, are very much interested in that and I don't blame you. It represents a steady income. It represents a freelance career. If you can get enough uh, clients who pay you on a steady basis uh, for steady work, uh, a good enough amount, you can usually either have a good part-time income or you can quit a full-time job. So let's start there because I know that is sometimes sort of the mystery for people of how do you get paid if you have clients. Um, first of all, the conversation that you're gonna have about payment happens in the negotiation phase before you agree to work for them or they agree to hire you. So you're gonna need to think about this before you go looking for clients and before you even have that first conversation. Um, my personal rule is I bill on the last day of the month for whatever work I've completed in the month, okay? Which means that and like in October, I was working furiously up until the very end of the month to get stuff finished so I could justify billing the full amount for clients. So it's not a perfect system, but it's the one I chose. I bill on the last day of the month. I um, give 10 days before the invoice is due. So if they get billed out on October 31st, their invoice is due like November 9th or 10th. Um, what I like about PayPal is I just set the 10 day thing and it puts the date in and I don't have to worry about it. Um, I don't really say anything to clients until we get to the 10th or after it. It's not completely true. Uh, I have two clients who typically will pay me the moment they see an invoice, but they tend to be kind of busy and they're sort of single person operations as well. And they are handling all payments. I kind of wish they had a business manager. Um, and I have found with them, sometimes I'll send them a reminder on the 9th or the 10th, the day before it's due and I'll get paid that day. They needed the reminder. It's frustrating, but they're good enough clients that I'm kind of willing to do it. But the rule that I have, I bill you on the last day of the month for the work I completed in that month and you have 10 days to pay. That's what potential clients know before they ever agree to work with me. I'm like, here are my rates. Here's how I bill. And that for some people is a question they're really curious about. Usually because it's their first time hiring a freelancer, they don't necessarily know how it works either. So the cool thing about that, when you already have your policy in place, you come across immediately as a professional who's got your shit together. You're like, here's what I charge, here's how I bill, here's what you can expect. Um, and I tell them, I will email you an invoice and you will be able to pay directly through that invoice. Like I purposely picked a system, imperfect as it may be, that is easiest on the other party because I don't want anything to get in the way of getting payment. I want them to go, oh, all I have to do is click a button or do a thing and look, done, payment. We're, it's fine, it's done. Um, now, the other side of that is, okay, if you don't pay by the 10th, what does that mean? And there are consequences and there are things that happen, okay? And we will get into that in a minute, but first, start with your policy. Is it two weeks? Is it immediately? Is it, do you bill after a project is done? It is completely up to you. My recommendation is to find 
what works for you and keeps you organized. For me, billing on the last day of the month, and sometimes I shift and I shift to the first day of the month. It depends on how busy I am. It depends on when the last day of the month falls. I have found that if I bill out on a Sunday because that's the last day of the month, most of my clients will miss those emails and I might not get paid till Tuesday or Wednesday. But if I wait one day and I bill out on the first of the month because it falls on a weekday or it doesn't fall on a holiday, at least one or two clients will pay me that same day. So it's worth it to me to shift my own rule um, in order to get paid faster. The one thing I don't ever shift is that 10 day thing. The moment, from the moment I make an invoice, my policy is you've got 10 days to pay it. So you can do it any way you want, but make sure it's organized for you. Make sure it works for you. That's just what worked for me, okay? You can do the first of the month. You can do the 15th of the month. You can do a two-week deadline. You can do whatever you want when it's clients. It's just got to be something that you both agree on. And if you present it to a client, as matter of fact, this is how I do it. Knock on wood, to this day, I've never had somebody go, really? That's how you do it? Because they're hiring you to for a service. They need you more than you need them. You know how much you need their money, but they that's not their concern. They need what you can do. And if you say, this is how it works, then that's how it works. If they want to negotiate, if they want to ask for, you know, we only ever pay, cut checks on the 15th, would you be willing to do that? That's up to you to negotiate that. That's up to you to decide if that works for you. And you can do that, you have that freedom. But it is good to have a payment policy, invoicing policy in place from the before you ever have the first conversation. Okay, so that's clients and that's kind of a biggie. And that's kind of a mystery to a lot of people, like how the hell do I get paid? Mm, by telling them this is how you're gonna pay me. That's how you get paid. The next one is for stuff on your blog. So there's blog sponsorships, there's podcast sponsorships, there's web um, banner ads, there's all kinds of ways people and companies will come to you and go, hey, I would like to pay you if you will put my name out there. Now, I used to, and I don't know why I did this. I think somebody else did it. And I went, oh, okay, sure, I'll do it that way. I used to um, request payment within the first 24 hours of a thing going live. Um, so the ad would be up, the um, post, the sponsor post would be up, the sponsorship would be done. And even though I got very lucky, knock on wood again, that I never got, you know, screwed out of my money, it made me so nervous. I could, I mean, I couldn't even sleep. I was a wreck. I'm like, I'm creating this content for my site with no guarantee of payment. I don't know who this company is. We haven't established a relationship yet. What? This is awful. And so I was talking to some other blogger who had a different policy and I went, yes, I like how you do it. And so now the way I do it is if I am putting something on my website for a brand who has reached out to me and is paying for the privilege, I expect payment 24 hours in advance. So we will agree to a date when it will go live. Um, and, what, and that date will work with my publishing schedule. It can work with their budget. It can work with their promotion. Whatever the thing is, we will agree to a date. And 24 hours prior to that, I expect to be paid. Now, the only time I kind of um, switch this up a little bit is if somebody agrees to do something long-term with me, a month, three months, whatever, 50% is due 
24 hours in advance. The other 50% is due at the halfway mark. I will split it up that way. Now, if I establish a relationship with a brand or a company or whoever, then I might work something else out. I might make that, like it's, let's say it's a three month thing. I might give them the option for monthly payments, right? Um, If there's somebody that, is credible and there's, you know, sometimes it's about your intuition and, and vibes you get, and those can be wrong, but I, I do live by those. If I get a certain vibe, I might do something different if they request it, but it's like the client work, y'all. I start with, this is my policy. This is how we will do it. How badly do you want to work with me is kind of the, the vibe I'm giving off. Um, I have only had one company sort of act weird about it, And something about them was a little weird. Like, I really think that if I hadn't done it that way, they might not have paid me. Um, So when you're doing something on your own site that somebody else has approached you for, and it's not an affiliate thing, because the affiliate thing, thing, you're going to get paid on their schedule based on how much you sell. But when you're selling advertising and they need you, they, they definitely need you more than you need them at that point you need to set a policy that lets you sleep at night, okay? That's one that's worked for me. I know of a couple other people who do something similar. Um, again, there's no hard and fast rule. You have to find what works for you, okay? Now, the third one is when you create content for other sites. Now, my mind immediately goes to when you pitch articles to write for other sites. Um, but I'm sure if there's some graphics or editing or audio or video stuff, it might work something like this. But my experience is purely with writing. So you pitch an article to Cosmo, you pitch an article to Kinkly, they're going to pay you for that or you wouldn't have pitched the article. What do you do? You follow their guidelines. Hopefully most of them, and this is becoming more common, will put their guidelines somewhere on their website. So the Write For Us link will tell you how to pitch and we'll tell you what you can expect. Not everybody promotes their payment rates, and sometimes that's because it's negotiable. Um, Some will promote a rate that they pay no matter what, but even then sometimes it's negotiable, but you have to develop the relationship. Um, What some of them do, not all of them, but some of them, they will tell you when you can expect to be paid. Not all, but most pay you after they've received content from you, not necessarily when it gets published. I can vouch for Kinkly. They, there are things I wrote six months ago that they're just now publishing in November, 2018. Um, but I got paid for it five months ago. Um, so if they don't make their payment structure clear to you on the website before you pitch, once you start the conversation, you know, the editor's like, yeah, I like this idea. Give it to me by blah, blah date feel free to follow up and say, okay, how is payment handled? You're not unprofessional. You don't look too thirsty. You don't look greedy. You don't look desperate. You don't look poor when you ask. You know what you look like? A fucking professional who's trying to make money, okay? And the vast majority of people you're gonna work with are gonna, they're gonna understand completely. They're doing the same kind of work you're doing. They understand you wanna know and they'll tell you. But there are some, and I stopped working for one several months ago, beginning of uh, 2018 actually, that took six months to pay. And it wasn't because they waited for the content to get published. They had this really like wonky um, payment system 
where things had to be approved in a certain way. And then there was another system. And then I think there was a button they kept forgetting to push somewhere. And seven months after I'd stopped writing for them, I got my, I think, I think it's my last check from them. I got a check from them. And I went, I'm so glad I didn't count on this for actual income to pay a bill. That's part of why I stopped writing for them because it was frustrating. There would be months I'd spend 10 hours on their content and it would be six months till I got paid. That wasn't worth it to me. So, but in that case, I was coming into their system and so I had to live with their system. So when you can get the information about how one of those third parties, those websites pays, only you can decide if you can live with it. When it's a side hustle, when it's money that's not paying, you know, your mortgage or something or your rent, it's a little bit easier to kind of be okay with. It's still frustrating, but it's you're not counting on that money to arrive by any specific date. But once you get to a point where this cash is paying for bills and it's keeping you, you know, in clothes and food and Wi-Fi, um, it does, it can become very important. Um, so again, that's a decision only you can make, but um, you're going to have to follow their guidelines. Every once in a while, there might be something that you can negotiate, but the only thing I have ever personally experienced that's negotiable is the rate of pay, not when they're going to send out payments just doesn't happen. Okay, so that's all the ways you can get yourself paid from client work to stuff on your website to writing for others. Okay, under normal circumstances, the vast majority of the people you're going to work with are going to pay you on time. I have clients who the email comes through with the invoice and you can tell that they had just started checking email because sometimes it's 15 minutes later, sometimes it's two hours later, they've paid me, done done. We don't have to think about it anymore. And then I have clients, like I said earlier, who require reminders. Um, and I, speaking from personal experience, that can get very frustrating. But here's what happens. Sometimes you don't get paid or you don't get paid when you thought you would or that you should. And that's the next thing you have to figure out how you're going to deal with. Now, I can tell you all of this stuff and you can come up with a plan and then you can be in the middle of dealing with it and the plan might have to be thrown out the window because there are circumstances that change and, and sometimes it's not that the client didn't want to pay you, it's that they were in the hospital or that they, you know, something happened or who knows what happened, right? But have it's like it's like the conversation about how you're gonna get paid and how much you're gonna charge and all that that you have with the client in the beginning. Having a plan before you don't get paid makes it a little bit easier. I'm not gonna lie to you. It is um, still even now a little nerve wracking to me to have to follow up, but that's essentially what you have to do. You have to get very comfortable with following up. Now, following up does not mean being a raging asshole the first time somebody's five minutes late. Uh, my personal philosophy is to err on the side of caution and assume Oops, an email got lost. For most of the people that I've had to deal with on this, that's exactly what would happen, or they got busy, or just something happened. I've had one client, and he ended up being, he was an okay client until I fired him, and then he was the client from hell, um, who just always paid me late. And I should have I should have kicked him to the curb a year before I did because of how badly he was at paying me late. So let's start going through that. If it is clients, 
that you have invoiced, you have a uh, policy in place, you've made that policy very clear, you have followed your own policy, that all of that does sort of matter. Now you have to start des deciding how you're gonna work this, but essentially it's time to start following up. Um, I, the way I do it is I first send a reminder invoice. It's one thing I do like about PayPal. I click a link, it sends it out for me. I can add a message if I want. I can copy myself on the reminder so I have proof this is when I sent it. Um, and like I said, I have two clients. They're my best clients in terms of work and money, but sometimes they don't pay on time and I don't know why. Um, I have gotten to a point where I will sometimes send them the invoice the day before it's due because my sense of it is not that they're trying not to pay me, it's that literally it got lost in their inbox. Now we can have a whole conversation on not valuing me as a freelancer and the work I do so that you know paying me is not a priority. Like that's a whole philosophical discussion to have at another time. This point, they send me steady work, they're easy to work with, I like how much they pay me, I like working with them. It's not a big deal to me on the 9th or 10th to send a reminder email because every single time they pay. They pay usually within an hour. It's, you can, my sense, like I said, it's a vibe thing, is that they were like, oh shit, we've got to pay her. <laughs> so they pay. Um, but like that with that client from hell that I had, and everybody at some point will have at least one client from hell. If you don't, uh, wait, it's, it's coming. It'll happen eventually. With that person, I had to send the reminder email. I, and he had assistants who were doing other things, but he never put them in charge of payment. And I learned to CC them as well because they would go nag him. Now, how ridiculous is that? So I would start with reminder emails. Then because of the nature of our relationship, I'd send the reminder the day of, then I would send a reminder the day after or two days after, depending on how busy I was. Then I would send a text message. Then if I still didn't get paid, and this is usually within like five days, so day it's due or day after, reminder. A day or two days later, an email reminder. A day or two later, a text message. And then once we were like five days out, sometimes I let it go as long as 10. Again, it depended on how busy I got. Um, then it was time for the, if you do not pay me for last month, the work I'm doing now will will end on X day. Like I would have to get that firm. Um, that was part of my policy though. That was laid out in the contract we had uh, and the agreement we had. And I had that in writing that if I didn't get paid by a certain point, then all work stopped. Um, the problem with that cl particular client from hell is I was still really new to asserting myself. So the first few times he was ridiculously late, we were into like two months late and I was threatening to stop work. Once I realized that he was gonna be habitually late, I stopped waiting that long. I got really aggressive. I knew that he wasn't gonna pay me until I nagged the fuck out of him. And y'all, he purported to be like a six figure mega blah, blah, blah business person in the local area, yada, 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 okay? I was charging him every month $250. Um, and I know, cause I know what, what he did for a business that one day's worth of work was yielding him several thousand dollars. I know that he was probably as successful as he claimed to be. My little invoice was not hurting him. I was not taking, um, food out of his children's mouths. Just fucking pay me. Right. 
So you do with clients, the ones that don't pay you, you have to, and it will be uncomfortable at first if you are a non-confrontational person like I am, you have to get ready to confront. Confronting doesn't mean screaming, cussing, saying things you can't take back, calling them, you know, everything but a child of God, okay? <laughs> it just means saying, this is when the invoice was due, here's a reminder. And the way I do it is I assume that first reminder you just didn't see it. It got lost in your inbox. Even if I think you're really just a deadbeat who's not fucking paying me, I treat everybody like that at first. I give everybody that benefit of the doubt. It's just easier for me to do that. It maintains good relationships, especially if it was just a mistake. If I start every late payment reminder on the attack, I might hurt a relationship that has room to grow. So that's how I handle it. But you have to get comfortable with that. You have to be willing to say, hey, my dude, uh, I sent you this invoice. I've sent it again. We are X number of days past when you agreed to pay me. I'm gonna need you to pay me or I can't work for you anymore. It's not an immediate jump. It's not a, oh, they're one day late. Oh, now I refuse to ever work for them again. Um, not necessarily. Um, it's a process. Uh, it is, like I said, non-confrontational is very difficult. What I have to tell myself, the internal dialogue I have to have is, this is business, it's just business. It's not about me, it's not about that individual. This is an invoice that's not getting paid. I just need them to pay the invoice. And I never change, as long as everything stays good, I never change my tone. I never slow down on the work that gets delivered while we're within that time frame before I'm gonna cut them off. I keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so far, except for that one really bad client, it has worked out well for me. Um, for blogs, this one's easy. If they don't pay you by the specified date that you said they needed to pay you, either there's no work or you immediately take it down. Delete the shit out of it if you've already put it up. Um, the thing I hate about that is you might do the work ahead of time going, okay, they're gonna pay me on the 7th. They're totally gonna pay me on the 7th. Here we go, here we go. And now it's the 7th and they're not paying you. It's the 8th, they're not paying you and you've done the work even if it's not published, it's not live, and you haven't gotten paid for it. That part kinda sucks, but it's not, it's not the worst thing. It's not, in my, from my perspective, it's not as bad as doing months, weeks or months of client work and then not getting paid for any of it, because that fucking sucks. Um, and then if you are dealing with other outlets, you are writing for another uh, website and they don't pay, and they've shared with you how they pay people so you knew you should have been paid on you know this date you're gonna have to start following up um i have knock on wood never had one of those outlets stiff me on money i've never had anybody make me wait very long other than that one that was sending the paper check six months later um they've usually paid like monthly um, one site asked me to send them an invoice and they paid within my like two weeks or whatever I set for them, um, without fail. And another, um, pays like on the first every month for whatever you did the previous month. That's just their, their method. I've been very fortunate, but it is not much different than client work. You have to follow up. Unfortunately, because that might be a one-time gig, um, they accepted your pitch, you wrote it. 
there is no ultimatum you can give them. I'm never going to pitch for you again. They do not care. They get hundreds of pitches a day. They're not worried about your pitch. Um, so all you can do is kind of just nag the fuck out of them. Um, if you're able to escalate it because you know somebody do that, do not do that immediately. Follow up with your contact. Um, save every email they send you so you have whatever their responses are in writing. Um, but if you hit two, three, four responses later and you're getting you know BS answers and no results, if you know who their boss is, which is very rare that we know who the next person up is, um, you can try to escalate it. Somebody out there is probably thinking, yes, but how long do I wait? Um, I tend to give, and this isn't a hard and fast rule. Part of it is on intuition and feeling and what seems right. Uh, I tend to give a week to 10 days before I really kind of go, hey, what's going on? Especially with these third party websites that have whatever their process is and you don't have a lot of leverage. Um, I'm gonna, again, I kind of will assume, okay, something happened, something, but got busy. Somebody didn't send the right email. Maybe I missed a process. So the first contact I'm gonna point out, hey, I haven't gotten paid yet. Was there something I was supposed to do? Do you need an invoice for me? What, how are we gonna get this resolved? Um, after that first contact that, like I said, it might take a while um, before I'll, I'll send it. Um, then I'm going to just be kind of persistent every few days. I'm going to send a, Hey, where are we on this? Where are we on this? Where are we on this? Um, like I said, fortunately, that's not, that's not something I've encountered. Um, but I would treat, like I said, I would treat it like a client who doesn't pay. Now here's the other reality that I've only had happen once and it ended up being the client from hell after I fired him. Um, sometimes you won't get paid. You will have done the work. You'll have an invoice that you'll have a policy and a procedure. You'll have a contract with somebody that says, yes, they're going to pay for this thing that you're going to do. And they don't pay you. And you've done everything you can. You've sent all the notifications. You've contacted them in every way you can contact them. You've done everything you can do and you are still not getting paid. This is, I think, is a big fear for a lot of people, but in my experience, it has been extremely rare. I think part of that is in how you choose where you uh, write for and who you work with and, and sort of vetting those people and making sure that they are legit. And it does mean that sometimes you don't take every offer that comes your way because not everybody is legit. Um, but it will happen and it will happen you know, I've had teeny tiny clients that had almost no money pay me sooner than six figure dude client from hell who took for fucking ever. So you can't, you, you can't know who it's going to be or not going to be. Um, most of the time, if it happens, it's because they either like went out of business themselves, um, with no notice and they just disappeared. Um, or they're pissed off at you and they think they're getting, and they're getting back at you. Now, technically, and depending on what country you're in, uh, the process may be a little different. You could get an attorney. You could take somebody just in the United States, we call it the small claims court. I don't know what it's called, like in the UK or anywhere else. But essentially, you don't have to go through a big jury trial thing. You just take somebody to court and you both stand in front of the judge and the judge decides. You can, I think, do that, but most of the time, not always, but most of the time, the amount you're contesting that you didn't receive 
is such a small amount that it it's not necessarily financially worth it, which is sad because we should get fucking paid for the work that we do. Um, I know here in the States, even just getting an attorney to write you a letter to scare a company into paying you could cost you a few hundred dollars, unless you happen to know an attorney. And I say, if you do, uh, buy them dinner, suck up to them, whatever you got to do to convince them that, you know, to give you a good cut rate. Um, and then uh, small claims court is not that much different. There's fees involved. And if you lose, my understanding is not a lawyer that you will probably have to pay the court fees too. So it's, it's frustrating. It's expensive. If you're talking about an invoice that's thousands of dollars, oh yeah, it's worth it. But when you're talking about like the $50 client, the $100 client, $250, it's almost never going to be worth it um, unless you can afford it and you don't have to worry about it. And hey, if you got money to burn, go for it. Make those motherfuckers pay. So <laughs> look at it. Um, when it happened to me, um, he had paid the prior invoice, but I had started working for him in the month and I was giving the two week notice that was part of my policies and was in our written contract. And I had started doing some of the work for the month and I offered to finish out the month. Um, his assistant people were like, oh yes, thank you. We, we appreciate this. He refused. And then I, um, I could have sent him an invoice, but I knew he wouldn't pay it. The, the way he spoke to me uh, was pretty um, bad. It was pretty much borderline abusive the way he talked to me in, in a final email to the point John Brownstone read the email and said, you're not looking at this email. We're going to hit delete. You don't need to know what's in it. It's fine. Um, and sometimes, yeah, you just lose the money and there's very little you can do. It is more rare than most people realize though. Um, like I said, since 2014, it's only been the one time and I didn't even send him an invoice because I knew what the outcome was going to be. So I had done work for him that month but I was never gonna get paid for it. So I didn't even put myself in that position. When that happens to you and you realize that your recourse is way too expensive and it's not gonna, it's not gonna matter and it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna be worth it in the long run. Spending $500 for an attorney to get $200 back just doesn't even make much sense. Um, you gotta chalk it up as a lesson learned. It really is just a lesson learned. And you take that information and that knowledge and you apply it when you start dealing with other clients and places that will pay you in the future. And you, for me, I learned to listen to my, my intuition much, much better. Um, that particular client, that his monthly uh, payment wasn't keeping anything on. It wasn't keeping the lights on. It wasn't buying our groceries. It, was, it wasn't a quote drop in the bucket, but it was part of a larger hole. We would have been fine without his money, but I let him paying me late, like ridiculously late, drag on probably for a year longer than I should have. Like the first or second time he did it, I should have said, hmm, I'm so sorry. Um, I'm not gonna be able to work with you in the future. But I didn't do that because I, I didn't... I worried that, I, you know, it, it said something about me if I let him go. I didn't want the confrontation. I think I knew instinctively he was going to be an ass. Um, and now, no, I have, I have no compunction about it. I had um, an adult brand client who um, started becoming chronically late. And I nipped that in the bud and said, nope, nope, we're, you know, it's been nice working with you. I kept it professional, um, but I'm not interested in working with them again. And I won't when they come back to me because it's not worth it. It's not the stress of going, fuck, are they going to pay me? Are they not going to pay me? I was counting on this money. What the hell's going on? It's not worth it. It's because there are other people out there who will pay you on time, who respect the work you do. And those are the people you want to work with. It 
takes time and it takes experience usually to get to that point. And even knowing that, even the those of us who, who have that experience, we can still fall in with the wrong client who ends up doing that to us and we didn't see it coming. So sometimes, yeah, you, you just lose the money. Now I do want to briefly touch on another side of this. This was a request by Quinn Rhodes, who is a fabulous sex blogger. I love her so much. She asked about what about when you as a, like a freelancer or a blogger or a creative person pay your money and hire somebody else to do some work for you and they don't deliver on the work. Um, it's a little bit like when you deliver the work and they don't pay you. Uh, you've got to follow up. You got to get, you got to start nagging. Um, you, depending on how long it takes, you might have to go, look, uh, we know people, I know people, I'm, I'm not going to recommend you. And does that matter to you? For some people, it might not matter to them. Um, for others, it will. Um, I, y'all know, I do not recommend call out culture, but that's probably one of those times where it might be, you know, of some value to say, you know, this person took my money and never provided the service I paid them for and put that out publicly. Um, but if you want to avoid that problem, and this is not a perfect solution, but it is sort of in general a, a good thing to try. When you hire somebody, let's say you're a writer and you're gonna hire a graphics person to do something beautiful on your website, or you're gonna hire a tech person to fix a thing or whatever, you're hiring somebody to do something for you. Um, to avoid those issues, it's really about communication. And y'all, we're, we're sex people, we should know about communication. You want to mutually agree, what is the deadline? What are the expectations? What, if any notifications, will that person give you? Like, will they let you know at, let's say it's a six month project and they're like, okay, every month I'm gonna give you a progress update. Or they're like, okay, I'm gonna send you a rough draft on this date and then we'll go through it and then I'll send you um, the next version on this date or two weeks after that date or whatever. So agree to a timeline, especially if it's a bigger project and it's and and it could take, you know, a month or two or however long. And if they're not offering that, request it. Request it in the conversation. Go into that conversation armed with, I'm gonna walk away from here with there's no guarantees in life, but with as many assurances as I, as I can get and knowing that I have something to go back to. So it's a six week project and they've told you that at week three, they're gonna give you an update or they're gonna give you a rough draft or they're gonna give you something, right? Week three rolls around, you haven't gotten it, you can follow up. Um, the other way is that instead of at week two going, oh my gosh, when will I, when will I hear anything? You can look back and go, oh, not until week three, I can calm down, it'll be fine. Um, and, and set those expectations. You both have to mutually agree on those expectations. It's very hard to dictate to somebody who's doing a service for you, uh, especially if it's a creative one or one that just takes time or whatever, but talk about those things. Don't be afraid to start the conversation and go, okay, what, how's this gonna work? When, when am I gonna know what's going on and, and what's your process like and, and, and work on that. Um, but <laughs> if they don't follow up or the deadline has passed and you've paid your money and you haven't received whatever it is that you're supposed to receive, you, you have to not let up. You have to kind of stay on them. Treat it like you would any business um, deal, like you would a client, you know, stay professional, try not to assume the worst. Um, I like to just sort of assume that somebody got busy or something happened or I hope everything's okay, man, 
creates a little bit of guilt for people who, you know, have that in them to go, oh, shit. And then I usually get at least some kind of response because I'm over there being as nice as I possibly can be at first. I'm like, oh, I hope everything's okay with you and nothing, nothing you know, too terrible is going on and, you know, whatever. And the decent people who let, they dropped the ball or they got behind or they didn't communicate on, you know, for some reason, um, will usually pick right up and go, oh, I'm so sorry. Ah, here's what happened, right? And, and they'll start working again. But I really think that if you set it up in the beginning, how you're gonna communicate and when you're gonna communicate and what the expectations are for both of you, um, it does uh, help avoid a lot of those issues. But it's like a client who doesn't pay you. If you happened to get the wrong person who took your money and bailed, you know, unless it's a multi-thousand dollar job, there it's probably there's probably nothing you can do and it's a lesson learned. I hope that doesn't happen to anybody. Um, I'm not above using guilt. I'm not above after a while. Let's say we're, you know, I've done, I did the, the day of or the day after, hey, I didn't hear from you, right? And I did a week out, maybe I did two weeks out. And, and it does depend on the responses you're getting, you know, um, if you're getting nothing or if you're getting excuse after excuse, but never seeing results, it's normal to not be happy about that. And you might have to get more firm. Um, but you also have to think about what, if any kind of leverage you have. Um, and for fellow creators, it's usually our good name. That's kind of all we have. We have our, our abilities, our talents and our skills, and we have our, our reputation. And most people, um, I don't think anybody should only think about your reputation, but we need to all be cognizant of it. And if a fellow creator is out there saying that, you know, you're unreliable and you don't deliver uh, the thing you promised and you're not doing what you said you would do and you took the person's money, that's not going to look good for you and it's going to hurt your business. So I think most decent people who are really trying are cognizant of that. And if you get a month out, six weeks out, eight weeks out, and you haven't gotten any communication to let you know what the hell's going on, that might be your leverage just to go look um i want to be able to recommend you to people and i want to be able to say that you're great but i'm gonna have to tell people they need to avoid you and and that doesn't always work because not everybody like that per that creative person you've hired might not run in the sex blog circles that might be, be meaningless to them but for some people it will be meaningful and maybe that's what you have to do um and maybe you do have to call them out eventually but start with the place of who hope everything's okay what's going on and until you reach a point you just can't take it anymore and i can't give you a timeline for when that is my um willingness or unwillingness to con to be confrontational lets that shit drag out probably way longer than i should but that is my thought on that one so um hopefully i've given you some sort of actionable things and some insight maybe that you hadn't experienced yet because you don't have your first client yet or you've done you know you've done stuff on your blog but maybe you haven't done stuff with third parties yet or whatever um if this created more questions than <laughs> provided answers let me know we can money as a as part of the business of being a smart answer is a it's a really big topic. We can always come back to this later. Um, so if there's other things you want to know that I did not cover here, um, feel free to reach out and let me know and we will cover them in the future. Thanks for listening to the Smut Lancer podcast with me, Kayla Lords. If you like what you just heard, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app and check out the blog, past episodes, and other great info at thesmutlancer.com. You can follow the Smut Lancer on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I'm at thesmutlancer in all three places. 
feel free to reach out there or by email at kayla at thesmutlancer.com with questions or topic suggestions. Thanks for listening. Let's do this again next week. Thank you.